With the NowJobs app, you're only three clicks away from a new student worker. Let us introduce you to the NowJobs app. That's extra help in just a few clicks. No fuss, no administration. Download it now. Available in Belgium, the Netherlands, France, and soon in Germany. NowJobs. Get the job done. Ka-ching! your kids lock the doors you're listening to hr's most dangerous podcast chad sowash and joel cheeseman are here to punch the recruiting industry right where it hurts complete with breaking news brash opinion and loads of snark buckle up boys and girls it's time for the chad and cheese podcast oh yeah it's international pooper scooper week Pet dogs generate over 4.4 billion pounds of poop every year. Almost as much shit as we talk on this show. Hey kids, this is the Chad and Cheese Podcast as Europe. I'm your co-host, Joel Macron Garbage Cheeseman, and I'm joined by Chad, Portugal's chief pooper scooper, so wash, and leaving Belgium 3, Germany 2, von Nienhausen. On this episode, Grand Cameo. Levin's unhealthy relationship with ChatGPT and a little buy or sell. Let's do this. Europe has a bunch of countries in it. European. Talent. Intelligence. What does it mean? Imagine a world where it's easier for you to find and know your target group. Where it's easier to recruit and attract the talent you need from a European talent pool. Every year... Thousands of corporate recruiters, HR departments and intermediaries rely on Intelligence Group to make that dream a reality. Intelligence Group is the European market leader in recruitment talent intelligence. With innovative dashboards and tailor-made research in 28 European countries. It is our job to empower you as a state-of-the-art data-driven recruitment business partner. Recruiting with data is great. Recruiting with Intelligence Group is better. Learn more about our services at intelligence-group.nl Intelligence Group, market leader in European talent intelligence. Okay, so is it me or does virtual Joel have a weird poop fetish? Anyway, it's a it's a cheeseman thing, I think. A cheeseman thing. Again, we have virtual cheese, uh, which is, I guess, just as good as the regular cheese if you're using your your headset, if you're using the the goggles and you're in the metaverse. Joel is with his family. Let me say this again. Joel is with with his family in Las Vegas. Now, Levin, is Las Vegas a place that you take the kids? He has a six-year-old. It's the last place where I would take a six-year-old to. I mean, it's a place where you can make kids and you can afterwards deny you made them but it's not a place where you actually take your kids to why would you (laughs) i'm sure we will have some detailed conversations around the pick it might have been more of his wife picking things i don't know i have no clue we will figure figure out but this week kids we have virtual cheese uh he should be back for the next show so let's uh let's move on to shout outs first one is uh I'm feeling the LinkedIn love for the first time. Oh, God. Are you drinking the Kool-Aid? Still on coffee. No, no, seriously, (laughs) seriously. (laughs) 
Last week, I was invited by LinkedIn to their um, talent awards and LinkedIn offered me a decent dinner and they put me at a table with seven interesting young women oh. and uh, they gave me an award, the talent award, which was well-deserved, <laughs> of course, but still, still, they gave it to me. Wait a minute, seven hot models and an award. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's basically the, the, whole, idea, the whole idea. No, I said interesting women. I didn't say they were hot models. Oh, yeah, okay. Interesting, okay. Yeah. But uh, really nice. Okay. So they put me on the table, gave me an award. I was happy, happy. Mm-hmm. Everything was nice. And I must say, I always loved LinkedIn as a concept. I mean, we're recruiters and LinkedIn is a, a resume database, which keeps itself updated. So that's great. LinkedIn is, mm-hmm. is cool. But in the past, I didn't really like their commercial attitude. They were really commercial and their client services to a certain extent sucked sometimes. Okay. But I must say in the past couple of years, they really tried to improve up to the point where I feel that their client service is now our best in class. And I'm just going to give one example. Okay. We have uh, done so many uh, acquisitions within House of HR and all the companies we bought, I'm talking about over 30 the last two, three years, mm-hmm. all those companies had existing LinkedIn contracts. So it was really a hassle to check who is paying what and uh, all different yeah. contracts with different yeah. starting dates, etc. Uh-huh. So LinkedIn really succeeded in putting all those contracts together in one House of HR contract. In a way, everyone got more out of it. We asked Indeed to do the same thing. And after six weeks, Indeed came back to us and they said, nah, nah, we can't. No, it's too complicated. <laughs> and then I realized LinkedIn has been improving so much and Indeed still sucks. And I don't think it will improve now they fired over 2,000 employees. I can't imagine their customer service will improve by firing people. No. So uh, tons of love to Jenny Hestermans and Mike Amels from LinkedIn and boo to my um, contacts at Indeed. Models and awards over at LinkedIn. I love mm-hmm. it. I, lo- I love it. I love it. I love it. Uh, Joel, actually from Las Vegas, also has a shout out. Let's hear it. Okay, my first shout-out is what I'm going to call a disturbing shout-out to Hungary's Prime Minister, Viktor Orban. Hungary's leader has gone too far, as far as I'm concerned. Hungary needs to be kicked out of the EU. What? Why, you ask? Is it their blatant disregard for the rule of law? Maybe. Mistreatment of the LGBTQ community? Of course. Or even Viktor Orban's concerning ties to Vladimir Putin? Definitely. No, no, no. It's because of the atrocity that is oranges on pizza. During a visit to Kiskoros, Orban visited a pizzeria that created a dish in his honor featuring toppings such as chicken, jalapenos, and get this, slices of orange. Pineapple on pizza is one thing, but oranges... (laughs) Oh, no, 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 no. Hungry, you gots to go. How do you say bye-bye in Hungarian? Vizlat. Mm. <laughs> so oranges, is that a thing in, in, in Europe? Oranges on a pizza? Nope, never seen it. No. Uh, how about pineapple? Pineapple is a thing uh, here. We call it a Hawaiian pizza. What, what about over there? So do we. We call it a Hawaiian pizza. And actually, I'm going to order one for my kids <laughs> after this episode. Nice. And they're highly, highly popular Hawaiian pizzas, but Italian try to keep a distance from it, I was told. Yeah. Uh, more importantly, though, my first shout out is to Finland, who is part of NATO now, yeah. kids. That's right. That's a cause for celebration, right? Right. Welcome, this from, Exactly. This from Reuters. 
Finland formally uh, formally joined the NATO military alliance on Tuesday in a historic policy shift brought on by Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Go figure. Drawing a threat from Moscow of countermeasures. Take that, Putin. Suck it. Emotional, damn it. Suck it like an orange on a pizza. Okay, let's go ahead. Usually, we don't have an event until early July, although we've got something new that popped up. Usually, we wait till the Friday show. But Wreckfest is happening in early July, and if you've never been... You're missing out uh, on a chance to, to check out the, the best recruiting and technology carnival there is. It, it's an extravaganza. But if you've missed it before and you are in the UK or you're in Europe, here's how you get a free ticket, kids. This is directly from Bobby Leonard's LinkedIn post. Quote, talent acquisition and recruiting professionals. Yesterday, we announced a new initiative to get our industry back to work by providing complimentary Wreckfest tickets to all open to work industry professionals. If you're seeking new opportunities and eager to learn, network and grow, don't miss this chance. To claim your ticket, follow these simple steps. First and foremost, you got to go to LinkedIn. You got to find Bobby Leonard from the recruitment events company on LinkedIn. Then comment on the post where he's talking about free tickets and they will DM you a unique code for a free ticket. That's it, kids. Very simple. Kids over at uh, Wreckfest want to make sure that everybody gets a chance to network and enjoy the wonderful libations that happen at Wreckfest. Topics! Cameo, a video recruitment platform, has undergone a management buyout from Stepstone Group, which acquired the company back in 2020. The buyout means that Cameo will operate independently under the leadership of co-CEOs Sanna Chinto and Dimitri Kanish. Customers of both companies can continue to use their platform as before. So my take, this rarely happens, especially when it's not with the original founders who want to buy out the company. Although the two who want to buy it and did buy it are longtime employees of the company. During the pandemic, uh, a lot of companies launched video or acquired video recruiting companies. Even if it wasn't an ideal fit for the business, it was a bet on uh, the pandemic and the remote work uh, phenomenon. I think that's what StepStone did here. They rolled the dice three years ago, and with employment looking to slow down uh, in 2023, they had to look in the mirror and realize video maybe isn't a real great fit for their business. Pawning it off to two employees uh, was pretty convenient as opposed to uh, selling it to another company. And here we are. Stepstone uh, gets to cut some fat and two loyal employees get to take the wheel. Good luck to them, I say. They're going to need it. It's a crowded field of video solutions that they now get to take on. Wow. Okay, Levin. So you have some insights. I don't know if you call this a, a very smart business proposal or if this was just a was a debacle it went wrong the timing is actually kind of weird of course i mean management buyouts happen all the time but normally when there is an ipo coming those people should be able to make some money out of it if they were shareholders when they go make an ipo then they get some money so normally you would stay these people maybe are not shareholders at all but then it's weird that they would buy the company before it's going to get listed so we could of course ask them why they did it and it would make sense but it's much more fun to just speculate a bit on the possibilities so i think it could be like the management feels 
the company wasn't valuated as it should be. So they got a the feeling we could buy it for a bargain and we can make more out of it afterwards. That's a possibility. Or as Joel suggested, there was some, they're probably losing money and they had to dump it before they um, are going to get listed. So just to, uh, to pump the EBITDA. But then I think it's too late for that. If they're getting listed in 2023, those numbers will be still in. So it can't be that. Maybe it's like people working at Cameo just didn't want to be part of listed company. And they refused and uh, they said, okay, we're going to buy them ourselves and uh, we'll do it ourselves. Plenty of possibilities, but maybe it's just like uh, they feel they're leaving the sinking ship and uh, they're better off alone. Could be as well, because we've talked about Stepstone IPO already and none of us agreed at it or none of us uh, thought it was because they were doing so well. Yeah, not great timing. Not great timing at all. I, I think you're 100% correct. I think that this is an IPO play and they, they probably got a great deal for a management buyout so that they can get rid of Cameo. Because as you're looking to go to IPO, you want to try to slim everything down. You want to try to make it look good. Uh, so I see this as an IPO play and Stepstone's ability to integrate video is probably on pars with Monster's ability to integrate video my job years ago. It took forever and it shouldn't have. Why? Because a huge technical debt that Monster was fighting. And it never really became the video powerhouse everyone at Monster hoped it would be. So after buying Cameo and understanding the true obstacles to integration for an old platform like Axel Springer's Stepstone, I think they took a look at it and said, hey, look, we need to shed this skin. (laughs) And we need to set StepStone up better for an IPO. And we can't do that with all of this internally. So as for the excited new startup platform that was reborn from this debacle, they've lost major ground since the acquisition. Cameo found itself competing against internal projects and new StepStone features just to gain oxygen and resources internally. That ground will be incredibly hard to make up. I say good luck to the new owners. That's awesome for them. Uh, But again, the market is much, much different than it was when they were acquired. They were acquired only two years ago, 2020, three years ago. So I just... To have some fun, I reread the press release, which was released back then. <laughs> and it's, it's so fun. Did you it's, have ChatGPT rewrite the press release? <laughs> I said, no, but I could have. But, <laughs> no, no, but I, I read it and I thought, okay, they were so happy about it. And they were so enthusiastic and they yeah. must feel so disappointed now if they just let it go. Mm-hmm. In only two or three years, everything changes. And I know times are changing and, and situations change, but it was remarkable. And, and once again, the timing is weird. So... Uh, Good luck to them. It speaks volumes when we take a look at an older platform like Monster mm-hmm. and how they tried to integrate a newer platform like Video My Job. And this is like, this is pre-pandemic. And they thought they could turn it around pretty quickly, but it took nine months. They, they actually announced it way before they were ready to launch product. It took an additional six months after the announcement before they put product out because there's so much technical debt that Monster was dealing with. Personally, this is something that every platform that's been around for more than 10 years 
is dealing with. Monster's been around for, you know, 20 plus. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's it was dealing with a lot. Stepstone's been around for a very long time. Since 1996. And I wonder, do you know if was Stepstone before Monster or afterwards? I can't remember. Well, I think it was before Monster, the online career center and the yeah. Monster board, those two that actually came together. Uh, those two preceded uh, Stepstone. So, so 99 was when Monster.com was actually created. Um, but that was emerging. Mm-hmm. But either way, I mean, Stepstone, I don't want to say they have old technology, but they're going to have more technical debt than most. And to be able to, and this is, this is also a a tale that I think is, is, has been told over and over and over just through code breakers and press releases. When you look at something, you're like, oh, this looks like a great idea. Oh shit. How are they going to pull that off? I just think they had a problem pulling it off and they just couldn't get it done in time to look good and start to make cash for an IPO. Yeah. Something like choose your battles. And this one just took too much energy. Probably. Yes. Agreed. Mm. Agreed. Okay. So after the break, we're going to test Levin's chat GPT obsession. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, what everybody's talking about, but from some different angles, chat GPT. Everyone deserves their best job. That's what Fiji stands for. We make a big difference for independent recruiters with the strength of our fast growing recruiter network. At Fiji, you can be your best self and work for the company you'd like whenever and wherever. We support you with the best digital and online recruitment marketing. We offer professional business development support, recruitment specialist training, and a bit of rebellious network meetings. Let's join strengths and help more professionals find the job they love. Celebrate recruitment and join Fiji at FYGI.nl. All right, Levin. Who really owns the results of ChatGPT? That is a very good question indeed. And it's going to to bring some problems sooner or later, probably sooner. Because when I enter um, a prompt, a very Uh intelligent prompt, which uh, makes me feel better, uh, (laughs) a great prompt, I'm a prompt writer. You're a prompt engineer. I'm a prompt engineer, of course. Yes. And the prompt triggers the result. So basically, I'm Mm -hmm. at the start. But then you could argue, no, you're not at the start because... The algorithm has been studying existing content. So your content, which was prompted by your prompt, has mm-hmm. been created on content created by someone else. So maybe they at least should get some attention for it yeah. uh, or some some uh, value for it. It's hard. And maybe in the disclaimer of Chat uh, GPT, it says, uh, we stay the owner of whatever is created by Chat GPT. I never checked. See, I should. Right. There are many parties involved and they all could argue they have at least a part of the rights to the IP. And they all probably are right. But um, translations, if you translate something mm. and you rewrite it a bit and ChatGPT does rewrite content a bit, is it different content or is it rewritten content? It's hard to tell. Well, Alexander Tchaikovsky posed a question on LinkedIn, a pretty fucking creepy question, by the way, but relevant to this. Alexander writes, quote, I have asked ChatGPT to pretend to be Chad Sowash. I don't know why you'd want to do that. <laughs> and suggest ideas for a highly engaging LinkedIn post. We can discuss the quality of the topics, but can we ignore the fact that mathematically speaking, some part of Chad's work has been used to calculate weights in a neural network? The exact weights and other people's work are used to generate the output in a screenshot that he shared. So do I owe Chad something? Goddamn straight you do. If (laughs) I use these outputs and ask ChatGPT to write a post pretending to be 
him. Shall we play a game? This is interesting because I also had another friend that he created an AI assistant with ChatGPT. He Mm -hmm. modeled it after me. Grumpy, innovative. I'm like, first and foremost, I'm not grumpy, asshole. Um, Innovative. Asshole. passionate right so it's like all of these things are coming to an edge when when do i stop owning me leaving that's the question did you ever own you i hope so <laughs> not sure because it's more of a philosophical discussion i guess yeah good point this is indeed a, a very relevant question i don't think they figured it out before launching open ai well should but, we start banning italy has already started to no, ban no, of course not and i think maybe the question isn't that relevant. And okay. I'm just going to quote one of the best prime ministers Belgium ever had. He said, it's a translation, so it's not really a quote, but um, you only have to solve a problem the moment it's there. So let's talk about this when there actually is a problem. So now there are potentially thousands of problems, mm-hmm. but let's solve them once they arise. And they haven't risen, risen yet. We'll see. Well, that I think that that kind of philosophy worked at a different age when we didn't move so quickly. I, this hmm. is scary because we're moving much faster. AI is starting to to show promise that we've been talking about since back in the Terminator days, for God's sakes. So back in the eighties. So we've been we've been thinking about this, but this is the day when we start to see promise of AI and and start to think of, and, and let me throw this out to you real quick, Facebook and Cambridge Analytica, nobody really saw that happening, but then it happened and it was a, it was, it was a, a an avalanche of mm-hmm. shit, right? That, that we now have to take care of. So do we just wait for the avalanche of shit before we start to work on it? Maybe not. But then again, there are so many possible avalanches of shits and some will never happen. <laughs> so you can't, solve every problem before it happens it's you can try to evade them as good as possible but you just can't take everything into account but and i must say i was impressed wec you know the world employment confederation last week they had their big uh, conference and for those who don't know the world employment confederation it's like uh, the federation of the staffing industry on a global level you have national federations in Belgium, you have Federation, and in the Netherlands, it's ABU, in France, it's uh, Prisme Emploi, etc. But the global one is called um, WEC. They had their conference, and they presented a code of conduct for using AI in the staffing industry. Uh, I'll share it with you. And it's actually, I was impressed by the way they think ahead of problems, which will someday, and we have to think about them in those cases before they arise. That's right. So also on LinkedIn, a friend of mine, his name's John Rice. He's an American. Uh, This is something that he wrote that I thought was interesting. Quote, I am surprised at the number of people who have not noticed the brilliance of GDPR, having less to do with data privacy and everything to do with leveling the playing field with U.S. tech titans. So I thought I would write a concise statement of why. He further writes, quote, U.S. tech titans were ruling the internet, ruling data collection, and seemed unstoppable. The lead they had over European tech companies was nearly insurmountable until GDPR. What do you think about that? I thought it was interesting that he he took it from the standpoint of, wait a minute, we need to put an obstacle 
in the way of these big companies like we see with Google and Facebook and, and some of the social big tech social companies. What do you think about that? Do you think GDPR is really that much of an obstacle? He's American, right? Yes. Yeah. So he wasn't involved with all the problems GDPR created for decent companies <laughs> because okay. so many consultants became very rich just by trying to help companies adapt to GDPR. And mm -hmm. I agree with uh, the necessity of blocking the big tech companies and gathering the data and definitely misusing it. And like you mm -hmm. mentioned, Cambridge Analytics was yeah. a big problem. But by trying to realize that, they also fucked all those little companies totally. And I don't get less spam than I used to. I got as much spam as uh, 10 years ago, probably much more. But the people who spam, they just don't care about GDPR. It's mostly illegal. It's like uh, those um, shady lists they got from the darknet and they just uh, try to sell me something, whatever. Yeah. The decent companies, they don't spam me, but they didn't before because spamming people isn't a good way to sell something. So um, I think so many companies had to spend literally millions of euros on becoming okay with GDPR. And in the end, nothing changed. Only maybe for a few big tech companies. Well, they should have picked them and they should leave us alone. <laughs> so your thoughts were that uh, GDPR was more of a pain in the ass for Europe than it has been for the, for, for the US yeah, thus far. They should have been sniping instead of using an, uh, a nuclear bomb. Carpet bombing, yes. Yeah, but it's, I, I agree it was necessary. And, um, and maybe now the Americans should be a bit jealous of what we have. But it was terrible for many companies to just get aligned with all those new legislations. It's not easy. So let's go ahead and go back to your uh, chat GPT obsession. <laughs> so as we talk about all of this, how has it impacted you most in your life? Because you use it on a daily basis. Yeah, constant. I started with just some testing. Let's write a vacancy. Okay. The moment you write a vacancy, you get a pretty decent vacancy. And with a few minutes of work, it's, it's possible to publish it. So that's a time yeah. saver. But living in Belgium a very small country, we constantly need translations. Normally, I had to send a vacancy to an agency which would translate it within 24 hours and they charge for one page 300 euros. So okay. now ChatGPT can do the translation almost as good as they could. So now I just use a proofreader, someone, a native speaker who just checks, okay, some uh, little words must be changed. It will cost me like 10 euros. So <laughs> it's, it's a big difference. But yes. then I started using it more creatively I'll give you an example. Um, for one of the board meetings, I was preparing the numbers from Federacon, um, the National Federation. How is the mm -hmm. um, how is the staffing industry moving in January? Is going up? Is it slowing down? We constantly uh -huh. check all those numbers and compare them to us to see how much better we are doing. We always are than the market. I had to check with uh, Abu. I had to check with uh, with Federacon, with uh, Prise d'Emploi, all the others I mentioned, and they all use a different way of showing numbers. And it's all more or less the same, but it's presented differently. And some of them just use plain text. So now I was able to copy paste the plain text and engineer a nice prompt. Could you put all the relevant data in columns and rows? I could copy paste into Excel and the system did it perfectly. It saved me like one hour. And then I started using it for really everything. And this is possible for contracts and, and the recruitment business, just writing a contract, um, but also Someone asked me, we need a letter to let someone know he is not being, being fired. And ChatGPT did a great job. Just this is something I didn't come up with myself. And I, I checked 
could ChatGPT do it? And they could. And this isn't a normal kind of letter writing. It's not like just you're fired. No, we told you you were fired, but we made a mistake. You are not fired. This kind of letters. And it did a great job. So it's really GPT-4 is, is, is better than uh, the average employee in writing these kind of things. And this will be a wave of disruption in our industry. I mean, you've been around for longer than I am. I've been in the industry for over 20 years. You've been maybe longer. I've seen a few moments which I would call a, a wave of disruption. Now, the first one was at the early 2000s when suddenly Stepstone, a monster, came and the print advertisements dropped in one year from millions and millions to zero. Okay, so um, this was a moment and uh, the arrival of LinkedIn definitely was a, a wave of disruption. And you always have winners and losers. And that's typical. And, and it's coming all of a sudden and it's washing everything away. That's why it's called a wave of disruption. And I think ChatGPT will be the same. I mean, 100, 100 million users after only three months, that's massive. Tons of winners surfing the wave, but also lots of losers who are going to be washed away and disappear in the surf and they'll never appear again. And this moment, it's, it's really exciting. I love it, but it's pretty dangerous. And I was, when I was last week at the World Employment Confederation, all those different speakers, all experts within the industry, all mentioned ChatGPT. And at the end, Denis Penel, the CEO of World Employment Confederation said, yes, that's all, all very nice. But, and then he showed a whole reason of books, all predicting the end of work, the end of jobs <laughs> since the 1800s. There was uh -huh. like a Keynes who said, uh, uh, people only will need to work like 15 hours because everything will be automated. And there are tens and tens, hundreds of books all saying the same thing. And they have been saying it for hundreds of years. And then I thought, okay, ChatGPT is great and I love it. And it will change definitely many jobs, but it will also create many jobs. And if you compare it to the invention of electricity, it's nothing. I mean, electricity suddenly, uh, at the end of the Victorian period, electricity arrived in the houses. And yeah. That was a game changer. And I don't think many people lost their job because of electricity. Some people had to be reskilled. And the next 10 years, everyone will, be, will need to be reskilled, but people will. And I think in the end, we'll have more jobs. But once again, different jobs, like every 10 years, something happens, which will create some kind of a, a wave. And this is the one, and I like it, and I'm happy about it. So once again, nobody's going to question Levin's obsession with chat GPT. My healthy obsession. <laughs> Your healthy obsession. All right, guys, it's time to play a little buy or sell. For those that don't know, we read a summary of three companies in Europe that recently got funding, and the three podcasters buy or sell the following companies let's get started uk startup patch has raised 3.4 million euros to support the launch of new hubs the funds will be used to expand the team and further develop their vision patch takes empty or neglected local buildings and transforms them into community spaces where people can work meet and discover local initiatives it provides a flexible model of working and living that's accessible to all, unleashing the potential of millions of people in hundreds of towns. That according to the company. Okay, is Patch a buy or sell? Two words for you, we and work. WeWork has been trying to crack this nut for over a decade. You know where empty and neglected buildings are? Shitty 
neighborhoods. And you think workers are going to flock to these neighborhoods? Yeah, no. Uh, WeWork's stock is down almost 90% this year, and it's for good reason. It's a bad business. And as far as I'm concerned, Patch is doomed. It is a sell from me. All right, Levin, that's a big sell from Joel. What do you think? It sounds very nice, um, refurnishing old houses and inviting people <laughs> to join the neighborhood and to all work together and uh-huh, uh-huh. shiny, happy people. But it's bricks and it's like restoring and, and renovating old houses. This isn't our business. This is just uh, creating co-working spaces, but putting mm. a marketing sauce on it. It's a big sell. <laughs> I believe the conversation of where we need to go with work to perform work is evolving. Uh, As we start stepping away from the 1930s and 1950s models after the pandemic, help us all understand work is what we do instead of just living to make an hour commute in and back from work every day. The world of work and where we work It's got to evolve. But the question is, is Patch the answer? The rise of hybrid has become a landing point uh, in the negotiation of getting the best talent. But I believe many of these spaces already exist in bars, restaurants, coffee shops, hotels, WeWorks, right? They're all over the place. So I believe the evolution of work will happen, but unfortunately, it will look a lot less like we work or patch more like an app showing open spaces in already established businesses in your neighborhood with coffee, breakfast, lunch specials, those types of things. So for me, unfortunately as well, it's going to be a sell. Next we have Crute. Recruitment referral platform Crute has raised funding from venture capital Slingshot Ventures and Agile Investors in the HR industry. The company says funding will be used to make the platform even easier for companies to find candidates through employee and community referrals. Crute says it has already seen significant success with many companies reporting improved hiring outcomes and increased employee engagement as a result of using the platform. So buy or sell, Crute. Here's from the Crute homepage, quote, make referring a lovable experience with gamification. Upgrade (laughs) your employee branding by letting your people share their enthusiasm with the world, end quote. Yeah, this is the proverbial knife to a gunfight. With so many established players like Bonus Lee, Aaron, First Bird, Bluebird, Compton, others, Crute is in way over its head. I see nothing here other than shiny marketing as well as empty sales rhetoric. Crute gets the boot. <laughs> there it is. Crute gets the boot. What about for you, Levin? Well, after trying it myself and failing miserably, I totally lost my faith in referral. So <laughs> sorry, it's a sell. And actually, we had all the right cards to make make it a big success. We had Uh an existing app with over 30,000 vacancies on it. And it's a really popular app. And it's it's used constantly by companies and by by job seekers. And we put um, 
an amount of money between 150 euros and 1,500 next to each job. So we had over 1 million euros of um, of a bonus to pay. Yeah, yeah. And we had users and everything was there. And I, I really, I was sure it was going to succeed. It was going to be a huge success. And it wasn't. And the only reason why is people just don't trust it. Why would you give me 1,500 euros if I bring a candidate? They just don't trust it. And the people who do trust it because they're the own employees and they don't care. They don't take the time. And after once or twice trying, they just stop. So I gave up and I, I used to be a big believer in referral, but I, if this didn't work, I don't think anyone else will. So no. Self from leaving. Self from leaving. Okay. So referrals work, right? I mean, most of the data that I've seen over the years always show referrals as the number one or number two source of hire, which is why most HR and TA departments don't use referral platforms because they're tripping over candidates and hiring them already without the expense or the spent money on a referral program before and the platform isn't sticky enough, meaning nobody uses that platform after it's lost its initial luster. The biggest problem with referral platforms is that they don't deal with user stickiness. These problems or these types of platforms have to evolve into more marketing-based engagement platforms. Okay, so unfortunately... <laughs> We're batting, batting a thousand on killing him. Uh, let's go ahead. The last one, EpiNote. All right. Polish startup EpiNote has raised 1.4 million euros in a pre-seed round to offer solutions for a flexible workforce to tackle mundane tasks. EpiNote deploys a mix of human hands and technology to handle arduous repetitive tasks such as data annotation, lead generation and validation and customer and candidate acquisition. The company plans to use the funds to expand its offering and help more firms to become data-driven organizations. EpiNote has over 50 clients on three continents. So buy or sell EpiNote. I like the automation piece. Uh, it theoretically could fit into the recruiting stack and it's priced pretty favorable, favorably. My big problem is this is not a product it's a feature, and it's a feature that tools found at OpenAI and others will likely solve uh, for free uh, and just be a plug-in for other companies to, to put it into their solution. So this is not a product. Uh, if they ever become a product, I'll certainly listen and reevaluate and take another look. Until then, EpiNote, hey. It's a sell, and that's three sell ratings from your boy. That escalated quickly. All right, Levin, that's three strikes, and you're out from Joel. What, what are you going to give EpiNote? Well, it does sound very interesting, and if someone can take over my mundane tasks, I'd happily pay them for it. But I agree with Joel. I'm not sure if they're very future-proof. I mean, if you combine generative AI and cheap workers at Fiverr, you're mundane problems are solved basically so i'm afraid uh, there won't be anything less left for epino to solve it's one to watch and maybe they will come up with something ingenious but uh, for now it's a sell oh so everybody's touting automation they're they're touting gpt they're chat ai 
RPA, it doesn't matter. Everybody's focusing on this. So what I wanted to do is I wanted to really try to figure out what the hell EpiNote's doing. Because I looked at the, the website and just broadly saying that you can solve an automation problem, that doesn't say much to me. So I went to their business cases and here's what their business cases sound like. Number one, quality data collection over five countries. Number two, using EpiNote to power an outreach campaign. Number three, improving retail experience with EpiNote mystery shoppers. Number four, managing over 3 million products with data enrichment. And last but not least, number five, data annotation for more sustainable aquaculture. None of those sounded the same. What the actual fuck do these guys do? It doesn't feel like there is enough focus for a startup in the EU where you really have to be focused um, they desperately need the focus, discipline, and a hell of a lot more than 1.4 million euros. Uh, unfortunately, wow, no buys at all. We hopefully will get another bite at the apple on, on the next show. But until then, kids. Shall we play a game? Okay, leaving. Get back to playing with chat GPT before Belgian bans it. Uh, <laughs> they won't. That's our show, my friend. We out. We out. Thank you for listening to what's it called? The podcast. The chat. The cheese. Brilliant. They talk about recruiting. They talk about technology. But most of all, they talk about nothing. Just a lot of shout outs of people you don't even know. And yet you're listening. It's incredible. And not one word about cheese. Not one. Cheddar. Blue. Nacho, pepper jack, Swiss. So many cheeses and not one word. So weird. Anywho, be sure to subscribe today on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. That way you won't miss an episode. And while you're at it, visit www.chatcheese.com. Just don't expect to find any recipes for grilled cheese. It's so weird. We out. How much do you understand the future of finance? I'm Jim Roos, a top 10 banking influencer and host of the podcast Banking Transform, where we dive deeply into the rapidly evolving world of banking and financial technology. Join me as I interview industry experts, thought leaders, and innovators as they unravel the latest banking trends, disruptions, and game-changing technologies reshaping the world of finance. Redefine your understanding of the banking ecosystem. Subscribe now to Banking Transformed, available wherever you get your podcasts and now available on YouTube.